Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Who's Got Next podcast. I'm Riley Shepard, bringing you everything happening in sports and music into one show. Let's go. If you haven't been living under a rock for the past month, then you at least know slightly about Michael Jordan's 10-part documentary series, The Last Dance. Well, episodes 7 and 8 aired last night. And being the massive sports fan that I am, it's, it's just been amazing to watch up to this point. Not only Michael Jordan on the court, being somebody who didn't have the fortunate nature of getting to watch Michael Jordan growing up, but also as a teammate, his personal life, and just the global phenomenon that he was. Because the closest thing that I, I've had to that is LeBron. But Michael Jordan was really the staple of that and the poster child of the sports icon who was known at a, on a global level. And no knock at all to Muhammad Ali because... Muhammad Ali was was the first one to do that. But Michael Jordan took it to a whole nother level with endorsements and everybody just knowing who he was. And it's just been <laughs> not only in the world that we live in today where this is really the only glimmer of sports that we've had for this period of time but just getting to watch this and see that other other players have obviously been talking about doing these mini series the late Kobe Bryant has been there have been rumors about him starting a documentary about his career LeBron, there have been rumors about that. And if this is the start to these players releasing these documentaries about themselves, then I'm so fortunate to be able to witness the first one. And I, I really hope that this, this is the start of this new era of getting to watch the players that you may not that these kids may not have been able to get to watch growing up now i hope that i hope that they do it right i hope they don't release a kobe documentary anytime soon so like i said i hope i hope maybe 15 20 years down the road so kids then didn't get to watch him growing up, that didn't get to watch him growing up, get to appreciate his greatness and his competitiveness and his personal life because I, that's definitely as, as important. But speaking about episode seven and eight, which aired last night, which revolved around MJ's decision to retire, the unfortunate and unexpected 
loss of his father and all the crazy conspiracy theories revolving around that. His endeavors in baseball, which he actually ended up, the beginning of his baseball career actually ended up starting very well. He had a 13 or 14 game hitting streak going on and then pitchers started figuring him out, which let him do struggle mightily. And there was a Sports Illustrated article that was posted that not only Michael Jordan, but the Chicago White Sox, who MJ was playing for their double double A affiliate at the time and how they were a disgrace to baseball, which they didn't interview Michael Jordan for whatsoever. They took this picture of him whiffing on this pitch, didn't didn't run it by him at all, didn't talk to him about it, which Michael Jordan then said that he never did another interview for Sports Illustrated again. And I think it was very interesting to see because after starting off really hot, which led to him, which then led to him struggling. But I found it very fascinating that he ended up getting back back on track, ended up hitting over 200 in double A because of how hard he was working. And that just speaks volumes about Michael Jordan as a person because the manager of the White Sox double A affiliate was saying how hard MJ worked at baseball and how great he wanted to be and that if he would have played long enough, he could have made it to the major leagues. And that's just remarkable to me because being a basketball player, myself growing up, and playing a little bit of baseball too, it's just completely different muscle groups you're working, completely different athleticism that you need. And MJ's trainer talked about that too as well, actually, that if you play baseball, there's a good chance you're never going to get to the level you were at basketball-wise again. Because it is, it's completely different muscle groups you're training day in and day out. And that didn't but that but that didn't stop MJ whatsoever he wanted to be great at baseball at the time that was his passion and that was amazing to see him put that much effort into baseball not being his sport and and the last time he played at the time was his senior year of high school so taking 13 years off and then playing at the level he was playing but and then it led to Scottie Pippen and his leadership during the Bulls, the season, almost two seasons that they were without MJ. And that first season, they actually played really well going to the second round of the playoffs and then lead, losing to the, who were at the time, really talented, really young Orlando Magic squad who were led by Penny Hardaway and a young Shaquille O'Neal. Then the famous two words MJ said, I'm back. Coming back with 17 games left in the 94-95 season. 
and helping the Bulls then reach the second round of the playoffs again, losing to the Magic again, who are, like I said, really, really underrated Orlando Magic team, with along with Nick Anderson, who is really underrated player, complimenting Shaq and a young Penny Hardaway. And then the ninety the ninety five ninety six Bulls team who outside outside of the dream team is arguably the best collective team of basketball ever, going seventy two and ten. The most interesting part of these two episodes, in my opinion, was just how MJ could motivate himself with anything. In 95-96, I have two examples that really stuck out to me. The 95-96 season, the Bulls obviously went 72-10, going easily through the the Eastern Conference uh, rounds of the playoffs. They're facing off against the Seattle Supersonics in the in the in the finals, who are a good team, a really good team. Had Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, and George Carl is the Supersonics coach. The Bulls are eating in a restaurant, and George Carl is. Coincidentally enough, eating in the same restaurant. <laughs> and George Carl walks by the Bulls table, completely ignores not only the Bulls, but Michael Jordan, who he actually coached in North Carolina. I think he was an, he was an assistant coach when MJ was playing in North Carolina. Completely ignores them. And MJ says that that's that's all he needed for that series to be motivated and the second the second story that i want to talk about is if you don't know like most of us if you don't know who lebradford smith is he played a total of 183 games in the nba played three seasons total of 183 games for his career, he averaged 6.7 points per game. Well, in 1992, he's a second-year player for the then Washington Bullets, the now, the now the Washington Wizards. But they were terrible. They ended up finishing the 92-93 season 22-60. and 60. So LeBradford Smith, who was, like I said, a second-year player, goes off on this particular night they're playing the Bulls. He ends up scoring 37 points on Jordan, going 15 for 20 from the field. And supposedly, after the game, he goes up to MJ and puts his arm around him and says, good game, Mike. You know, not not a big deal to most people. But... To MJ, he took offense to that. And he responded by saying, by saying in the locker room, didn't say anything to LeBradford Smith in that moment. In the locker room, he says to his teammates, I'm going to drop what he had this whole game 
and a half. So the next night, lucky for MJ, they play, they're playing a back-to-back. That, that night, they played in Washington. The next night, they're playing the Bullets in Chicago. Didn't have... So it was about 20, 24 hours for MJ and the Bradford Smith, and especially the Bradford Smith, to celebrate that 37-point night, which was a, ended up being the best game of, of his career. MJ lives up to what he says and drops 36 on the Bradford Smith in the first half the next night. He had 47 for the game. And there was a quote that really stuck out to me last night that said that MJ was already a car full of gas. Anything else was just adding on to that. And that if there's anything that I'm I took away from this documentary it was that that he could motivate himself with anything it could be somebody looking him the wrong way but he didn't show that nobody knew what was motivating him that particular night because he was already, he was already obviously the best player in in the NBA by miles and miles. But anything, anything else was just added fuel to him. And I just want, I just want to take this moment to thank Michael Jordan for, like I said, letting me be able to see just and appreciate the player that he was. Not only on the floor, but off the floor. Because <laughs> leave it to Michael Jordan to lead, to release this phenomenal documentary during a worldwide pandemic just to give people a little sliver of what we're missing out on with sports. So talking about the updates that I've been keeping up with with sports and the obvious COVID-19 pandemic. There, This past week, actually, in a South Korean baseball league, they've actually resumed playing. And it's just been fascinating to see the way they're adapting. Because obviously, they're playing without fans. But... For their first pitch, they, they're having a, a, a kid walk up from, from the pitcher's mound in this big inflatable baseball and just walk from the pitcher's mound to home plate. And that's just, it's just been fascinating to see. And if we're going to go back to having sports then we need to find ways to compromise and find unique ways to get back to what we want. And it's not going to be easy, but we have to get creative. And <laughs> doing that as the first pitch is creative, and it's working for this South Korean Baseball League. 
they're not having fans. They're not forcing anything and putting people at risk. The the umpires are wearing masks. And the players that I've seen the reactions for, they're loving it. And look, we're not, if we want to go back to having sports, we're not going to be able to have fans right away. And for the NBA anyways, which is how, is what a lot of people are curious when they're going to return and how they're going to return. Disney, Disney's wide world of sports in Orlando is actually, has actually been offering their facilities for the NBA to play in. And being, and actually myself being somebody who has played in those facilities, if the NBA wanted to go about that, they could. the The way those, the wild world of sports complexes designed is that there are, I believe, four four sets of full courts. So they could have four games going on at a time. Which obviously they wouldn't, but it could be it could be a creative way to continue the season, but the the players have stated a ton of players have stated that they don't want the season to continue, and Shaquille O'Neal has actually said to just just scrap the season and put an asterisk next to whoever wins the finals and I do agree with what Shaquille O'Neal said that that there would be there would be an asterisk next to whoever whoever wins the championship because for the NBA to resume they would need to have three weeks is what they say they need three weeks to practice before any games would resume so they would be off for They've now been off for over a month at this point. And if if they were to resume anytime soon, the playoffs and or even just concluding the regular season because there are still games that need to be played, we wouldn't be finishing the season until August at the earliest. And some NBA facilities have reopened, but players have been refusing to utilize them. And I truly believe that as bad as we want sports to resume, it's it's not worth the risk of starting these games, or st- starting to get back into it too soon. We all want sports to resume, but if we're not willing to compromise and find creative solutions to these problems, the problems that we're dealing with right now, then it's never going to work. And we're just going to end up stuck in the same place that we're in right now. And if not the same place that we're stuck in right now, then even worse. Well, transitioning that into music releases from this past week, we had we had actually had a lot 
starting off, I just have to shine light on R&B honest Kehlani. She released her sophomore album. It was good until it wasn't this past week. It's been three weeks since her last album. And if you don't listen to Kehlani, highly, highly recommend it. She had features she had features from Tory Lanez, Jenny Aiko, Lucky Day, Maceco on this album. Not only is she one of the most versatile female artists, but she's one of the most fe- versatile artists right now, period. The range that she has on this album, not only in R&B, but in just her ability to sing and rap it's 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 amazing and please stop please stop sleeping on female artists some of my other favorites outside of Kehlani if you want if if you decide to listen to female to more female artists which I highly recommend her is obviously fantastic artists but georgia smith as well and snow allegra these are all great great female artists that people need to start respecting the same as male artists because they're just as talented but this art or this album by kehlani is projected to sell the last i checked it was projected to sell sixty-five thousand. In the first week, which is right behind Nav, who also released his highly anticipated album, Good Intentions. Right behind that was Kehlani's with 65,000. Nav's is projected to hit 75,000, which, which I, which to talk about that, I, I would give Nav's. A seven point five out of ten. And I'm gonna I'm gonna rank my favorite songs because it was it was a good album. I'm not gonna it was it was a good album. But my my mid my mid tier songs for him because I, I had quite a few out of that album. I'm gonna rank my mid tier and my top tier. My top tiers are ones that personally made made the playlist <laughs> my mid tiers are ones that i have no problem with they're they're good songs they just they just didn't didn't make the cut for the playlist my mid tiers are were status featuring lil uzi coast to coast recap featuring don toliver no debate featuring young thug and no ice featuring lil dirk my top tiers were Run It Up, featuring Pop Smoke. Rest in peace to Pop Smoke, by the way. But that was, I think that's one of the most slept on songs on the album. Both of them, Nav and Pop Smoke, killed the beat. Uh, which, the beat, the beat was absolutely disgusting. Also, My Business, featuring Future. And also, which has been out for a few weeks now at this point, was Turks featuring Gunna and Travis. Nav is definitely one of the most slept on artists right now. 
he's getting all he's had features on all of his projects and big name features too obviously i just went through quite a few of them but i'm not going to say that he or i'm not going to say that this this is going to be anywhere near album of the year or anything like that but hopefully this just leads to more people getting to respect nav because i think he just he gets a lot of hate for really no reason whatsoever he's not cocky or arrogant by any means he doesn't do anything stupid stupid legally i just think a lot of people hate on him because he doesn't fit the so to say part that they want out of rappers and in his songs, you can tell how much of a chip he has on his shoulders because of this. He just wants to be respected, just like everybody else. And I think after this album, a lot of people are going to stop sleeping on him. Even though, in my opinion, it may not be as good as Reckless or Perfect Timing. But it's just below them. And that has more to say about those two albums than this one. Like I said, this was a good album. I give it a 7.5 out of 10. But those albums, those other two, were fire. <laughs> and and I hope a lot of people stop sleeping on him after this past album, Good Intentions. Speaking about sleeping, that transitions so nicely into my last segment of this episode... So let me know what you all think about this, and I would love to start taking song suggestions for this segment called Release of the Week. Any song that was released from my past episode last Monday to when I record this episode the next Monday. So my release of the week for this week is Three-Headed Goat by Lil Dirk featuring Lil Baby and Polo G. Three fire rappers releasing a song together. They all complimented each other so nicely on this track. And we need to see more out of these three as soon as possible. Three of the most versatile artists in the game today. Lil Dirk, Lil Baby, and Polo G. It was released out of Lil Durk's album, Just Cause Y'all Waited 2, which was released this past Friday, which may have been overshadowed a bit by Nav and Kehlani, but it was still a fire album. If you haven't listened to Lil Durk before, highly recommend doing so. Super underrated artist. He has songs with a ton of other big name artists like Gunna, Future, he even did a joint album with T Grizzly, along with this song, obviously, Three-Headed Goat, with Lil Baby and Pillow G. But let me know, like I said, let me know what you all think about this out this, this segment. I would love to start taking song suggestions. Three-Headed Goat, highly, highly recommend listening to it. Listen to it right after you finish this episode, because 
it may be one of the most fire songs I've heard in the past week. That being said, thank you all so much for tuning in. That's going to do it for this episode. I'm Riley Shepard with the Who's Got Next podcast, and I will see you all next week.